this is Eugene. I just want to let you guys know that we won second place at the King Trivia Doctor Who night. It was uh, at Timmy Nolan's in Toluca Lake, and it was just a fun time. There was uh, four of us. Not There wasn't a table big enough for all of us to make it, but we still showed up and uh, had a lot of fun. And My one point. <laughs> Curse you, vampires of Venice. We, we met the, the hostess, uh, Heather. She's very knowledgeable of her stuff, and... Um, she was great. Yeah. It was a lot she, of fun. Hope she likes our podcast. <laughs> and thanks again. And we look forward to the next Doctor Who trivia night that King Trivia will be throwing. Yeah, we're coming for you. No, we, we couldn't. Well, let's just quickly say we had a lot of fun at WonderCon. No, we dressed up. Eugene Haas played as the War Doctor. Arlene Haas played as WonderCon Clara. Just Clara. <laughs> wow, I'm not very doing very good names today. <laughs> cosplayed as Clara. I cosplayed as a woman in a cape-like cloak. (laughs) Auburn cosplayed as a Star Wars fan. There you go. There's our plug. (laughs) Wondercon. And I was Bystander 17. (laughs) I was Disembodied Voice. (laughs) That was my first comic convention, though. What did you think? I had fun. There was a lot of people, though. I, was it but really I fun. big? You think it was a bigger Sunday than Saturday? Saturday we had fun on Saturday. Yeah, Saturday didn't feel too bad. I mean, compared it, to actual Comic Con and stuff, that was. Oh, compared yeah. to Comic Con, so it was light. Like, yeah. yeah. It, felt like it gets worse, so this is a good thing. I, I felt on Saturday we could walk through the aisles without, without too much trouble, but on Sunday there was a little more like, really? bumper to bumper, elbow yeah. to elbow. On Saturday they had the um, costume competition, so a lot of people were dressed up in real. Great costumes everywhere. So that's something that I was never privy oh, to. I yeah, never maybe. went on that Frank day was having before. so much fun. It's just amazing some of the stuff that people come up with and how they're able yeah. to execute it. Maybe that's what a lot of people did was they did cosplay on Saturday and then walked around on Sunday. That's why it was a little more crowded. Right. Because when okay. I was with our, our, our friend Daisy, she was dressed in a Darth Vader couture uh, dress. She kept getting stopped every like 20. That was a great. Yeah. I saw a photo of that. And your war doctor was amazing. She helped me with the war doctor, too, so. Yeah, that was great. Wish you could have seen it in person. <laughs> a lot of people stopped him. You're the best war doctor I've ever seen. That's not true. They didn't say that. <laughs> but Eugene did. did take a lot of pictures with people. And Eugene goes, who? <laughs> <laughs> this is my regular clothes. <laughs> this is my Sunday best. <laughs> What's a Comic-Con? <laughs> I thought there were going to be stand-up comics everywhere. What's going on? (laughs) WonderCon. 20 cents. (laughs) Welcome to Who Knew. We are fans of the current series of Doctor Who, and here we discuss our likes, dislikes, and insights into the modern regeneration of the show. Today's episode is Season 2, or Series 2, depending on what part of the world you're from. It consists of 13-hour-long episodes plus a Christmas special depending on what service you're on. Let's uh, introduce who is here. Hi, this is Eugene. Hello, this is Frank. Hi, this is Kelsey. Hello, this is Auburn. Arlene. Hi, this is Brian. We are missing Josh today. He's taking a well-deserved vacation. Yes. Um, Right now, season two is available for streaming on Amazon Prime, so you can catch up that way. And um, I'm going to say this up front, but there are going to be spoilers. So we're able to talk about the full breadth of season two without jumping the timeline like we normally say. So if you haven't watched season two, please go and do that now. Uh, We'll wait. uh, The DVD set is also available now, and that is also dropped down in price to about 30 to around $40, depending on what service your (laughs) retailer you go to. And this is the first year of David Tennant as the 10th Doctor, and our second year of Rose as the Companion played by Billy Piper. One thing before we move on, there's also a Blu-ray set that either currently, is coming it, out or is yeah, about to come out. I was going to say currently working but on it. Be be careful because this was not filmed in S in this was not filmed in HD. So if you get a Blu-ray, it's an up-res from the standard definition, so it's not going to look perfect yeah. pristine le- as the current Doctor Who episodes are. Yes, uh, also the DVD box set I think is worth getting because it has commentary on every episode and it's not just uh, audio commentary. Some of them have video commentary, which I still don't understand the point of. That's a picture in picture, in a picture. type of thing. So there you yeah. see them talking in the bottom corner. Yes. The reason for those are is if you have a crush on the Doctor or Rose, you get to see them talk throughout the whole episode. So you get to see, <laughs> so you get to see two of them yeah. on screen at the yes. same time. <laughs> well, some of them don't even feature the Doctor or Rose, so... 
There are Doctor Who Confidential uh, episodes related to the episodes in the series, so those are also worth getting. And um, I think there are video little, diaries. Little making of. Yeah, making of stuff. Yeah. And the video diary. Yeah, David Tennant's Tennant. video diaries. I think first season has uh, Billy Piper's. Billy Piper's, yeah. And then uh, season two has David Tennant's. And we are in no way financially connected to the BBC. You know? <laughs> We're not advertising their products. It's just telling you how to get to them. I'm just saying that the DVD set is, for me, right. is worth it because it has all of these things. And yes, we are not associated yeah. with them in any way. But if they... This isn't a plug. No. <laughs> We're not getting paid to say this. We just like it. <laughs> but if they want to send some our way, I'm not going to complain. <laughs> uh, series two has, I guess, the prestige of spinning off two series from series t- season two, which is uh, Torchwood and Sarah Jane Adventures. Very different shows. <laughs> yeah, very different. Uh, season two has the arc or the, I guess, the clue, the big bad of Torchwood. And Brian has that or Frank has that. I thought season one was the big bad wolf. Not the big apple. Bad wolf. Bad wolf. We should explain <laughs> that. We're going to clarify that. Yeah. Russell liked the concept that Joss Whedon did with Buffy the Vampire Slayer of each season of Buffy had what was referred to as the big bad. So every season focused on one main particular villain. If it was the master, but not our master, but if it was the master in season one or season five had glory, um, that's what the season built towards. And the season finale was also the resolution of that big bad. He liked that concept. So he created his own version of the big bad. And we were discussing it last night. We, yeah. we, we don't really like the term big bad for Doctor Who. But At least I don't. It's easy for us to associate with. I, I say so we, it more of like the big mystery. Yes. So there's the season one, the big mystery was uh, Bad Wolf. Why was Bad Wolf showing up? And it's not a villain. But the reason we don't like the big bad is because that's not a story arc that the villain has multiple episodes and are thwarting our heroes throughout the whole season. You know, in Buffy, especially like with Glory, she would show up. There's the mayor. There's a master. Those issues would continually come up in other episodes. So they'd have standalone episodes, but then also weave through it the big bad. In Doctor Who... A lot of times it's either not a villain, like Rose wasn't a villain being Bad Wolf, but it's more of a mystery of what is this, and he's leaving clues throughout all the different episodes. Bad Wolf didn't enter into any plot of an episode. It just kept showing up. This season, it was Torchwood. We kept getting references to something called Torchwood. You know, the original reference to Torchwood actually happened in the episode Bad Wolf in season one. It was an answer to one of the um, weakest link Questions. questions by the android yeah you know in the christmas invasion the laser that shot down the, the sycorax was by torchwood so they had that in there and the mystery Tooth begins there sorry oh. but the mystery begins in christmas invasion because the prime minister talks about torchwood and the general says how do you even know they exist so it's still it's like there's a right in christmas invasion there's this mystery that here's torchwood which even the prime minister of great britain should not know exists and of course tooth and claw starts it all because of the torchwood estate and that's saying, no, the doctor is now against Britain, or Britain's now saying, you know, is our enemy. enemy. School reunion has Torchwood, the access denied when Mickey is trying to find out what's going on at the school. Uh, Rise of the Cybermen, Rose is sitting on the bench, and the news mentions Torchwood. And also at the party with Rose and Pete, uh, they have their little awkward conversation. And Pete then asks another guy, so how are things at Torchwood? Which is well known in that other universe, I guess, because it's just at the party. It is Lantern has one when they're, I think, interrogating the doctor in the background, you know, thinking that maybe we should call Torchwood. So they yeah, know about yeah, it. Yeah, it's the scene where that's revealed to the doctor that Rose is um, faceless. She used too much vanishing cream. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, going into Satan's pit. You know, there are members of the Torchwood archives. The captain says that. Captain, yeah. Uh, Love and Monsters. Um, that's Victor, who is the Absorbaloff. Says that he got the files from Torchwood. But the bad wolf, so that was a nice little homage to the first season. You know, virus deleted most of the information about Rose Tyler. Mm-hmm. And then in Fear Her, it's hard to hear, but we've mentioned it during that episode, mm-hmm. that the TV announcer in the background mentions Torchwood. There's a lot of little mentions of that. And then the last army of ghosts and Doomsday are all about Torchwood. So Yeah, we find out what it. the mystery is. Which I really like because in that two-part episode, the part one focuses itself on giving us the answers to the Torchwood mystery. Mm-hmm. And then part two finishes the, the, the story, lore, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Carries the whole story. But I love how they do it where it's so subtle. Where When you're watching it the first time, you don't pick up on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those, you look back, oh, now I see it. Oh, that's cool. That's something added that you didn't want to see or hear the first time. 
You know, so it's not so blatant like some of the other ones later on seasons. Right. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, here's the big mystery we're showing it to you so you can they're worry like, about it and plan and yeah, think like, what your alternate ideas could be. They're like shining a spotlight where this right. one isn't. We also uh, wanted to mention, I mean, we have mentioned this before, but there are Tardisodes, which are short promo episodes associated with, e- with each of the episodes in season two, but are not available on the DVD set. And you can find them on YouTube. Just type in Tardisodes, and it shows a little bit of stuff that happens that's related to the episode that you're about to watch or will watch. Arlene, what do you think about Rose's journey through this season? How did she grow? Or change? Well, it's so funny because I was thinking about this morning that um, I started off really hating Rose. <laughs> we know. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that the first time I watched this, I was allowed to still hate Rose all the way through because... I just knew more and I didn't really pay attention to her character because I was like, oh, she's just annoying. And I moved on. But spending time like actually analyzing and watching her grow and changing to a different person. um, I really like her, like her character, like her personality. I will miss her going on and talking about new episodes. And it, it was a nice thing to see like a teenager grow into an adult. And they did a good job writing that. I think her big moment was at the end of season one when she, Jackie and Mickey were in the little diner and she's like, no, I've seen too much. I need to now do something. And she takes it upon herself to somehow get into the TARDIS. Now she gets help, you know, from Jackie and Mickey, but she's like, no, I'm going back to the doctor. It's like nothing was going to stop her. I think that's when she really changed into owning who she is and knowing who she is and then taking on the bad wolf. And that changed her because in the, she's still at the beginning of this season, iffy because of the whole, who is this guy? The doctor's changed. I don't know what to do, but you can see throughout this, she really does grow in the season to not necessarily need to rely on the doctor all the time. She's a lot more independent and helping the people and making decisions for herself. And you see with the whole Satan pit impossible planet telling the people what to do. You know, so I think she's come a long way, but I think the big pivotal point was at the end of season one. I can see that that's how it could have been her pivotal point, but I don't think it was making that decision. It's the results of her decision. I think her decision was still in a stubborn, like, I'm not ready to move on kind of situation. It's not really fully understanding who she is yet. Um, She fully understands who she is later when she's willing to give her life at that point. I think that's when she's... I agree with you that she doesn't know who she is yet, but she knows she's not the same person anymore that she used to be. You know, it's like the first steps. And that's what I mean by that was when it started to change. Those are the first steps going, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I can't go back to being in the shop. I can't just sit by and do nothing and live my life the way it used to be. And she hasn't, but she hasn't grown enough. I mean, school reunion was a big, I think, slap in the face of reality for her that the doctor does leave companions behind. Yeah. You know, I think that was a big growing moment as well. And there is a hint throughout this season, this season that Rose isn't going to go on forever with the doctor. Yeah, her journey is ending. Yeah. So, you know, in school reunion, it is, you know, just Sarah Jane telling her, be careful. This doesn't last. You know, also in, I mean, you can look at the Satan pit where the devil says you, she'll, she'll die in battle soon. Mm-hmm. So there's a hint on that. Um, Rose says in Fear Her, they always try to break us up. But they and never, they, ever will. But they never, ever will. So she and acknowledges you, it, but she won't accept it. <laughs> she tempted like, fate there. I'm just looking at the, ep- the episode list now. And it would be interesting to watch School Reunion. And then right after that, do Army of Ghosts and Doomsday. That would be an interesting pairing, mm-hmm. you know, where where Sarah Jane, speaking from experience, is like, be careful. Yes, he's worth it, but, but be careful. And yeah. Rose being, everything will be fine. Mm-hmm. You know, listening to her by the end, but, oh, everything's going to be fine. Oh, I'm going to travel with him forever. So I think that's cool that a season has two things that you can look out for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was thinking they did something like that trilogy in the first season, Satellite 5, and then they came back to it. I was like, this kind of ties into that going there. Here are three that have that theme going through it that really help each yeah. other. There is just a definite theme of loss. Mm-hmm. And loneliness. In this season. Oh, yeah. You know, Rise of the Cybermen, Jackie. Age of Steel, you know, Rose loses Pete. He rejects her. Oh my God, the girl in the fireplace. Come girl on. in the fireplace, yeah. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of emotions running through this season. And then there's love and monsters, but whatever. Well, we had lots of emotions in that That's episode. <laughs> Maybe not the ones they were shooting for. And Brian, does she die in battle? No. 
<laughs> but even on New Earth, they're always separating the Doctor and Rose. So this season, they were really separating them both, both for letting Rose grow because she's separated. She has to be on her own. And also that's going to go, they're separated again. It's like, how many times can they keep doing this? I remember Arlene, you even said that in some of the episodes. It's like, how many times? It's like, they're not going to be, they're going to be fine because they always do this. <laughs> so they were setting that up for the final one where it it's final. It. They're actually separated. Are they though? So speaking of Rose, let's move on to uh, Mickey. Uh, Kelsey, you had some good things to say about Mickey. Anything to comment? Uh, no, I would. Yeah, I'll love to talk about Mickey and Jackie. Um, I love what season two did to their characters. And maybe that's why I was a fan of Mickey and Jackie when we were going through series one. Mm-hmm. Because I was, you knew. I had watched series two. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I think they uh, they just have really strong storylines in season two. And that's uh, it was just fun yeah. to watch. Nice to see. I agree. I feel like they set us up for them in season one, and then we get the payoff in season two for both of them. And the, the character arcs, to me, are very believable. Mm-hmm. Another theme of this season is the repercussions of the doctor's actions. I mean, the first season with Eccleston, they had, it was overt. It was definitely, they went through the time war and he is really dealing with the repercussions of his actions by himself in his own mind and what he's going through. But here he's seeing the actions, his repercussions through a lot of other people. Torchwood started because of him. So the whole ending and the Daleks and the Cybermen are because of him that came through. So many things happened because of what he's doing. Same with this. You see the repercussions of Jackie and Mickey and what they're going through because of the decisions the doctor has made. I just like Jackie because she's funny. Mm-hmm. She always has something to say. She and can... her and David Tennant, the, her and the doctor played off really well at oh, yeah. the last <laughs> part of this. Completely different dynamic from Eccleston. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But she also did, like, again, back Love and Monsters, that scene that she's talking about with it's the doctor not... and saying, no, I will protect them no matter what. It's just such a great scene. And that's not comical, but she is have great comic timing, but she can do both. That's what I love about mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. Camille. Interacting, and it just comes off really truthful both ways. Yeah, for me, the, her comic um, timing is showcased in Army of Ghosts when she meets Pete. Right. Uh, <laughs> so good. Doomsday. Is it Doomsday? It's Doomsday. It's Doomsday? Yeah. Okay. Uh, where I'm rich. I don't care. How rich? <laughs> very rich. I don't care. How rich? How very, <laughs> very, very rich. How that very. was so good. <laughs> Like, I know we mentioned this, but the, the little zoom in just slightly. Slightly, yeah. <laughs> well, that's... Boom. Well, so many of the secondary characters are fleshed out a lot more in this season. Right. I mean, besides Mickey and Jackie, I mean, Harry Jones comes back or in the Christmas Invasion. Mm-hmm. And you see how much she's gone through and been infected by a doctor. And she has a lot more depth. And Sarah Jane, Pete. Well, Pete, we can just talk about Pete. This is the last time we see Pete is in season two. Which is kind of funny because when you think overall of the whole storyline of Doctor Who, you think Pete's in more episodes, in more episodes, yeah. but he makes such an impact in the two that he's in. Mm-hmm. It's amazing to me that Pete is only in two episodes. Well, yeah. well, they're two parters, so he's in four for this season. Oh, Rise yeah, you're right. Sorry, I forgot about Rise of Cybermen and Agency. Well, okay, two stories, but he's, yeah, we, we know what we meant. <laughs> but he's not in Army of Ghosts. Mm-hmm. Pete doesn't show up until Doomsday. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Hey. Hey. <laughs> wow. Okay. And we also said this in the middle of Army of Ghosts. You thought he was in Army of Ghosts. Yeah. It's like, no, he's only in Doomsday. But his presence is so he's there. Felt, yeah. I guess that's a testament to the writing. Yeah. And we keep calling it Pete's world, and he doesn't, and yeah. the Doctor doesn't even bring that up until what? Doomsday. <laughs> Doomsday. Yeah. 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 yeah, we're like, all yeah, we're talking about Pete's world the whole time. With the, you know, Rise of the Cybermen and all that. Yeah, Pete's world, and then there's Dead Pete's world. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and now there's Rose's world and Dead Rose's world. Ooh. Okay, I'll give you that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Can that go on record? How about <laughs> missing Rose's world? Uh, <laughs> no, no. I'm no, okay Brian with Dead Rose. Brian I'm okay with Dead Rose. Okay. But, you know, I. I like when we see Pete in Father's Day in season one, and then we, right. that could have been it. I would have been fine. That's his only yeah. episode. But yet we get this, this little extra something that makes his character and his story even all the more, more satisfying. Richer. Yeah. Just like him. Right. <laughs> and I love that there is that bit of a happy ending for him. Pete and Jackie. Yeah. And she's pregnant. Yeah. And it's like they did get together. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, okay, good. There is some happiness somewhere. I yeah. think that's what I didn't like that it's all tied up in a little bow and everybody gets their happy little Rose ending. Rose doesn't. And, well, 
But at least she's together with Nikki and her family. And her family. Oh, is that the doctor? Consolation prize. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, these lovely parting gifts, but you don't get what's behind door number two. Yeah. But you know, she wasn't just left behind (laughs) and not told where they were going, kind of thing. Right. Like some other of the (laughs) Jackie and Pete will still be fighting and everything, but it's not that rosy tied up in a bow it's like oh, they're going to be fighting and having big old oh yeah because they don't they've had 20 years of opposite history so it's... but that they're still together which is really nice yeah huh? yeah but i i'm happy with the the jackie and pete oh yeah you know because at the same time rose is just in the worst place she's ever been in her whole life we needed something and they didn't really focus on it we didn't even see it really we you know she just tells the doctor mm-hmm. you know when they're stalling um, <laughs> about it and it's it's just a nice little oh that's sweet and then now let's get back to the meat of the episode it's weird because that scene is all exposition but it's not bad it's, it's like i want to hear more i want more yeah. exposition yeah which I, which sometimes when you hear an exposition scene you're like this is exposition could you right. have not told this to us in a different way but i think at doomsday when she does give her exposition to the doctor it's what we needed at that moment it's written well. Yes, very well very. written. And I, I, also, I also like, we pointed this out too, that her story kind of bookends with her in season one waking up and in season two waking up from a bed. Mm-hmm. Some of the other characters were Madame de Pompadour and Ida Scott. Mm-hmm. Both were really good, full characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, especially Renette. We didn't mention this when we recorded the Girl in the Fireplace episode, but the actress, Sophia Miles, was dating David Tennant. At that time, I believe. Mm-hmm. Or shortly after they shortly filmed after that, that, they were together. that uh, episode. Right. Yeah. I mean, Ida was great, too. Ida was my, Ida was exposition. Mm-hmm. Hi, I'm here telling you everything that's going on on this impossible planet. And yet she does it so well that she's a well-rounded character as she's doing it. Mm-hmm. Again, testament to the actress and the writing of that. You know, here, let me show you this blue screen. And yeah. she completely sells the what? wonder of a black hole. Mm-hmm. I love Ida. The, the Doctor, his arc in season two is, is interesting because Eccleston, the ninth Doctor, starts off in a sad place. And by the end of season one, he's in a, like a happier place. David Tennant, the tenth Doctor, starts off in a happier place because that's who, I guess, the tenth Doctor is. And by the end of season two, he's in a sad place because of his separation from Rose. So I think that's really great that they had opposed uh, arcs emotionally for both of these two seasons. And how they relate to each other. Because the ninth doctor was traumatized from the time war. Mm -hmm. And he was holding everything in and not allowing himself, it seemed for a long time, to... To cope or deal. And also to um, have relationships with other Mm -hmm. people. And Rose breaks through that. In New Earth, he's very happy. He's gotten past the trauma. He hasn't forgotten it, but he's gotten past it. It's his relationship with Rose that... Brings about. Brings about his... Sadness. Sadness at, at the, the end. end. Yeah. So the thing that he learns to do with Christopher Eccleston is what tears yeah. him down with David Tennant. Mm-hmm. I think it's great literary-wise. If you have mapped it out and see the, the journey as an arc, the hero's journey. Tell us about the hero's journey. <laughs> Please, Daddy. Tell us the hero's journey. Please, sir. I'd like some more. Well, if we're going to break it down, it, it's just interesting how you can have a journey, but I guess the opposite of expectation. You want to end happy... But we don't. Rose and the doctor are separated. And they have those, those tears are shed at the end. But, the mascara runs. But yet it's it's satisfying. How do you think the second season would have changed or would have ended if Eccleston had stayed on? Do you think we would have lost both a companion and a doctor at the end of it? Or would they have kept Rose around for another year afterwards? I mean, that's such a hypothetical. I don't yeah. know. But it's all speculation. I think they would have ended the journeys of both the doctor and the companion because they already hinted that at that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in uh, season one. I don't... Kn- I kind of fall to the side of they would have tried to keep one of them mm-hmm. just for some kind of continuity in the show. Well, the love story between Rose and the Doctor played off because they got David Tennant. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, don't think if we got Eccleston in the second season, the Rose love story would have happened. Yeah. So, like, could we... Could, can we actually have seen Eccleston and Rose holding hands on an alien planet no, it would be more passionate because I feel oh, like Eccleston so? brings more passion to his character. Uh, with Tenet, it was more puppy dog. Mm-hmm. 
I feel like Arlene and I were missing a lot of the, cause you guys would be like, Oh, and remember when like the doctor said this to Rose, it, it meant that he loved her. And we were like, huh? But also remember, you guys were doing that to us during season one with Eccleston. It was like, wait, you guys see that as romantic? (laughs) So it was flipped. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Segwaying into that subject, uh, we have a uh, an email from a listener. I will. Melissa Seltzer, thank you for your email. I'm going to read it now. Or the subject is Rose and her doctors. Hi, Who Knew Podcast. Hi, Melissa. I just finished listening to the Children in Need podcast episode and wanted to join in the conversation about Rose's feelings toward the ninth and 10th Doctors. When I first watched Doctor Who a few years ago on Netflix, I always felt that the ninth Doctor was the father figure Rose needed in her life, especially after the wonderful Father's Day episode. She trusts him in a way that never struck me as anything more than fatherly. Eccleston played the doctor with such a sense of intense sadness since he's fresh from the time war, and I felt he was searching for a companion that would help him heal from that. I'm likely bringing my own personal history to the table, but I never felt the two were romantic. They needed each other in that specific time of their lives, and the relationship they develop helps them both move to move forward. When nine regenerates into ten, Rose is devastated to lose her father figure she's allowed into her life, but she learns to accept 10, although it's a different relationship. She copes with the regeneration by seeing the doctor in a new light. 10 is also goofier and lighthearted. Rose begins to fall in love with the 10th doctor, as I did, and I did as well. David Tennant is my favorite doctor, and I look forward to the podcasts covering this time, or his time. Melissa Seltzer, wishfully future companion to the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely written. Very Nicely well. Very I agree written. with her. <laughs> I prefer to see it as it was love all the way through. It's just the person express their love differently because you know in the end like when they were going to go get fish and chips like she puts her head on his shoulder kind of like oh yeah we're going I'm buying mm-hmm. her. I think it works both ways. Uh, but both are valid. Yeah, yeah. Both and I think that shows more of how Rose has changed from the season one to season two in that she was young and looking more for a mentor father figure however you want to put that in this and in the second one she's become a lot more in her own right knowing who she is what she wants and so she's looking at this new incarnation of the doctor differently and that's not the same thing as I needed now and now it's younger and that's what a lot of people who liked the classic series hate about Tennant and don't like him as the doctor is that they make him too human. Yes. And there's the love relationship going on between Rose and Tennant yeah. or the doctor. They don't like that at all. They they think it's just there sacrilegious. Should be no, no romantic entanglement between a doctor and a companion. I think that's what the show needed to be revived and introduced to the new audience. So that's the reason a lot of people do like yes. Tennant mm-hmm. as a doctor because he is more relatable. Mm-hmm. He does show it's a fine emotion. line they need to balance. Work. It's yeah. interesting. <laughs> So for the same reason, you either like it or hate it. Right. But like, I mean, I remember first season episodes where you guys are bringing up the, the you see the romance beginning, nothing over it, but beginning. And I remember at first being shocked, going, I never, ever thought that. But then also remember, I almost every single time I went, now I can totally see it. And now I want to watch the episode again, which is what I like about us discussing these on this podcast is that we are getting differing views and everybody's view is valid and maybe it can help change the way you look at episodes. And now I watch the first season episodes going, oh yeah, okay, (laughs) I see it. Eccleston's passionate. (laughs) I think sitting on the apple grass on New Earth was a big big difference in showing that. Because before then there was Eccleston, then they had the Christmas invasion. And then this really is like, a first date. It's a first date, yeah. And they're both kind of giddy and excited, like, this is something Lying new and different. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> right? So I think that is where a lot of it, that would be Shifts. the pivotal change point for how Rose sees the doctor and how she's going to be growing. I didn't see it as a first date. I saw it more like as we're celebrating something together, as they've been together for a while and they've been, you know, we get to sit alone in in the midst of all of our chaos, we get this time to have a date. So I did see that they already had a built relationship to be where they were. Mm-hmm. It wasn't because first dates are like awkward. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if this is kind of romantic. Should it be romantic? They felt very comfortable sitting there together. So it was more of a, we're already established. 
And I see it more as we were friends and now something's changing where we're going to that next place. Have we're leaving the friend zone. Have you ever thing. gone on a date with a friend? That you were fr- really good yep. friends first. <laughs> and yes, he was, certainly has. So was it was it like super comfortable still, or was it that still that anxiousness? It, yep, it, it was, was it, awesome. It was, it was uncomfortable, but it wasn't exciting. But they weren't uncomfortable. They were just happy. No, but I mean, there was something. It was like, yeah. <laughs> So speaking of New Earth, Cassandra is reintroduced to us in season two in New Earth. Uh, I think it's great that a villain has a a story arc or a a character arc, like a cardboard cutout villain, you know, in season one, in the end of the world is just, she's the bad guy. It's pun intended, though. (laughs) Uh, Cardboard cutout. You mean they fleshed her out in this episode? (laughs) So instead of being two-dimensional, she's (laughs) three-dimensional. How long can we keep this going? <laughs> She's both three-dimensional and two-dimensional. <laughs> Emotional, physical. They pump some more blood into her? Like, <laughs> they keep her yeah. moist. Yes. <laughs> but I, I think it's cool that her theme in The End of the World is to signal us in, into the future. It's got a, like a weird outer-worldly quality. And then when you hear it in New Earth, it's almost sad because it's related to her and not the setting. So I think that's cool that Murray Gold and Russell were able to craft not only a character that they're going to revisit, but also a piece of music. And that also ties into the theme of endings Mm -hmm. in season two, because Cassandra is the ultimate, I'm going to have to live forever, I can't die. But by the end of the episode, she Mm -hmm. dies. And she's she's not necessarily okay with it, but she's accepted it. Yeah, and to me, it's poetically tragic how she dies with herself, her older self. Right. There's also another theme going through this season that, that reminds me of, and that's humans changing mm-hmm. and trying to help mm. themselves or yeah. somehow or upgrade themselves. Yeah, literally. So, <laughs> right. So they have the whole Sisters sisters of Plenitude, mm-hmm. and they're growing humans to try and help others and get all the different vaccines yeah. and cures. They're doing like bad things. With good intentions. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, the Cybermen that come up, they're all about, no, let's make you all better. Be like us. And you're upgraded going on up. The Krillitanes that come in school reunion are all trying to constantly morph and change themselves into trying to be better. Even the Empire of the Wolf wants to happen in Tooth and Claw. Yeah, something. To, I don't know what exactly. To but. control <laughs> all the people. And even Torchwood, to some extent, they're trying to get all the alien technology to help the great British Empire to be better and use what information they get from that. Only the Daleks. The Daleks are like the opposite. If you're not us, you're dead. (laughs) But even all the way back to Christmas Invasion at the end, where the doctor says, you know, I told the Sycorax to leave. I should have told them to run Mm -hmm. because the human race is coming. The change. You know, the human race is ready to expand, and that's just going to be trouble for the whole galaxy kind of a thing. Well, even, uh, Frank, to your point, Jackie's biggest critique of Rose was, you're going to change. You won't even be recognizable as a human. Wow. Good one. Yeah. yeah. No, well, good for <laughs> connecting that. Yeah, because that's my favorite scene. I love that yeah. scene. How did... mm-hmm. oh, thank you. <laughs> and other, uh, you want to mention other aliens that were introduced to this season? Sure. We have the previous aliens, Cybermen, Daleks, and Cassandra. No, and she's then... not alien. She's human. She's human. Oh, well. She's alien <laughs> enough. <laughs> I keep thinking of her as, the, well, I guess, the villain yeah. you know, rather than alien. But then they have new ones with the Sycorax. Uh, Sisters of Planetude, the Clockwork Repair Droids, Absorbaloff, which was, there's some good ones and some <laughs> maybe not as good. Uh, Mr. Finch and the Krillitanes, the Werewolf and Monks, another one that I'm not really happy with is The Wire, the TV lady. Uh, we have actual Satan, the Beast, <laughs> in this one. The Ood, which the Ood are interesting. And I want to see more of them. Oh, that's right. So that was the intro to the Ood. I think you're not going to get that satisfaction, bro. Frank. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Um, Isolus? Is that her Isolus. name? The little lost Isolus? Isolus? It, that's the name of the species, Holy I guess. Wabba. Person. Yeah, I know. I, know, I know what you meant. <laughs> so they had some really good introductions for characters and other ones that, to me, I don't think were as good. Um, back to the Cybermen. I, I like this version of the Cybermen. This is probably my favorite version. Because they have blue eyes? No, blue mouths. Blue mouths. mouths. The eyes are just these black holes, right? (laughs) Yeah. 
because the classic version origin story of uh, the Cybermen is with the 10th planet and they live on this planet called Mondas, which uh, rotates on the parallel orbit. It's on the other side of the sun. Other side of the orbit, yeah, of the sun. And uh, in that episode, their planet gets destroyed and then it gets retconned how it's on Telos, which uh, we will probably visit soon in Tomb of the Cybermen. And I like how in this version of the Cybermen, it's a parallel world still keeping sort of the heart of that Mm. story connected. Like it is Earth, but now it's a parallel world, not an opposite orbit. And so I think that's sort of cool for me as a like geeking out a little bit of revitalizing that version. That at one point I was hoping that when we were in those uh, episodes, somebody would mention Mondas or Mondosian or something like that, but it didn't happen, which is fine. I can have it my way. Or do you mean like within the episode, like like yeah. as an Easter egg? Yeah, or as an Easter egg. Because that yeah. was, I think we mentioned it's the 50th anniversary of the Cybermen at that point. That's why they went all out as opposed to the Dalek, which is one episode. This day was a two-parter. Mm. And after watching Tomb of the Cybermen, the second to last episode, Army of Ghosts, yes, had some sort of references mm-hmm. to to that with the plastic and some of the other yeah. things that I think some of us noticed, even though we're not classic fans. I guess fans, yeah. yeah. The Doctor is without the use of his TARDIS several times in Season 2. I'll point those out. And they're in the two-parters, Rise of the Cybermen and Age of Steel, and then The Impossible Planet and The Satan Pit. Where in Season 1, he was only without the use of his TARDIS in one episode, the uh, Father's Day episode. So I think that that's interesting because I remember, I think it was Josh saying, how many times has he been without the TARDIS or without access to the TARDIS? Where where in um, End of the World, it's taken by the valet, so he has access to it. It's just not something he needs to get. What I'm thinking of here is the purpose of the Doctor in that particular storyline is to get the TARDIS and himself reunited instead of, oh, it's just there. Meaning that if he had the TARDIS, the episode would be a lot shorter. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The the solution is part in the TARDIS. You can do things and... So they had to get rid of it somehow. They had to separate them. Yep. Being, you know, sci-fi fantasy guy, I find correlations between season two of Doctor Who and Buffy the Vampire Slayer season two. Mm-hmm. In just a feel of it, the uh, unattainable love between the two. And at the end, they're separated by different worlds. Um, and there are some really great episodes as a whole story arc idea for both seasons for either Buffy had some great season two episodes and they some really, really bad, bad filler standalone episodes and I feel that's the same way with this with you know Idiot's Lantern Fear Her ones that I and Love and Monsters, Love and Monsters yeah. that I don't think are all that great looking back on them and after I talk I do see some good value in them and there are some good scenes in them but overall the storyline I didn't like that much. But don't look at Arlene. Love and Monsters, she invented her own category of hatred. <laughs> if they would have just taken out the Jackie part and put it in another episode. Right. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I'd never have to watch Love and Monsters. <laughs> totally agree. Or maybe fast forward. Yeah. And then add, imagine Frank's ending at the end. Yes. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we can have our own phantom cut of that episode. <laughs> <laughs> Did uh, for season one we kept talking about all these people who have been good companions? Do we have any season two would be good companions? Well, we mentioned Ida, Ida Scott, who I think I wanted to learn more about. I thought she'd be really well. Madame de Pompadour, Mrs. Moore from Right Cybermen, we had Rise of the Cybermen and Age of Steel. We, yeah, that was our big she was debate on that. It's like, has she gone too far, or which is she redeemable? That might be it because Chloe Weber's. Part of the story, and then um, Elton isn't part of, yeah. How about the kid in the one with the wire? Tommy. 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 Oh, Tommy, yeah. I I can see that. I can see that, yeah. Do we just have a lot of, you would never be a good companion? (laughs) Yeah. No, they they did more flesh out the different characters, but they were within their own time and own story that had some good dimension to it. I think we had adjacent companions, and that's why we spent so much time in their stories rather than introducing new potential companions. I think that's why. Like who? Like Jackie Jackie and and Mickey and Pete. The, the Doctor and Rose's relationship was so strong and, and strengthening during the course of the season, there wasn't an opportunity for somebody else to even be in the running to take her place the way there was in season one mm-hmm. when, she, when they were still getting to know each other more. At least that's one of the things that I think made it harder for a possible n- new companion this season. 
And I remember we had the discussion the last episode, does the doctor love Rose? Pausing for such a long time to say it, but I'm always, yes, he was in love with Rose. School reunion, I just wanted to reiterate, he said that he can't spend his life with Rose. She can spend his life with him, but he can't spend his life. And that's the curse of the Time Lords. And to see that as a curse, you know, that he can't do that, I think adds to why he loves her. It's He sees that part as a curse, not as... You know, that I think was an interesting line. Also, I forgot I wanted to ask you this when we were talking about Eccleston earlier. Eccleston wouldn't have stalled on that beach, would he? No. Yeah. He no. would have had his moment. Yeah. And he would have like shared it and made it very well known and then been really sad afterwards. Yeah. Instead of pretending it didn't happen. Completely agree. Okay. So this reminds me of school reunion when we had that debate. We found a clip about the the doctor just leaving a companion. companion. We found a clip from the classic version, (laughs) classic in quotation marks. Uh, We'll play it for you guys. It's with Sarah Jane and K-9. So this is K-9 and company was going to be a spinoff in the the 80s, and you'll understand why it's the 80s when you see this. Um, Wait, should we show the intro first and then the clip? No, I'll do the clip. Do the clip. You already set it up. So this is, you know, when it was like, he just dumps her and doesn't care. And had a little debate about that. So that gets a little addressed in this clip where... she. This is where she gets K-9. Yeah. And she's at her aunt's house and her aunt has this crate that's addressed to Sarah Jane. And Sarah Jane doesn't know what it is. So we just watched a clip of uh, K-9 and Company, which is a pilot episode of the spinoff series. I guess they tried to do in the 80s with uh, Sarah Jane and how she got K-9. So that kind of addresses something that we discussed in school reunion about the doctor and him leaving a companion. And when they aired K-9 and Company, the pilot, which is entitled uh, Girl's Best Friend, it got 8.9 million people watching it. Wow. Um, It was big. But it still still didn't get picked up. But it did affect the uh, characterization of Sarah Jane moving forward in novels, in uh, audio dramas, and even... um, Sarah Jane Adventures. Yeah, which so, is the spinoff show that I mentioned earlier. Uh, we'll eventually revisit that and, you know, do an episode on Sarah Jane Adventures. There's some good ones. There are a lot of good ones. It's a, it's a kid's show, but it's very good. And, you know, Sarah Jane is a companion that I think is one of the favorites. I think it's great that we brought her back in season two. So I think they kind of wanted to address the fact that he dumped Sarah Jane. Okay. <laughs> and so when Sarah Jane was on the, the show, when she was traveling with the doctor, he, uh, canine wasn't. No. Oh, okay. Yeah, K9 came after. after. So yeah. this is from this isn't from Doctor Who. This no, is from, this is from a show called K9 Company. Oh, okay. But then in the reboot, they kind of stay true to that by having Sarah Jane have K9. Yeah. In season two, they really, I think, experimented and expanded how they are playing around with different ways of filming or telling a story. You know, so Tooth and Claw had the whole, you know, ninja action sequence and the coloring and how they're. Filmed it in Idiot Box. Lantern? Idiot's Lantern. <laughs> the Idiot's Lantern was all askew. What do you call that when it's... Dutch angles. Dutch angles. Even Love and Monsters was told a whole different way than what we usually see, taken from Elton's point of view. And I think The Girl in the Fireplace was even filmed a little bit differently, having that romantic aspect. So they really are experimenting, and I think that was a great mm-hmm. part of season two, that you can see different types of filmmaking or storytelling. Yeah, they're definitely a lot more comfortable. The show's a success, so they don't have to worry about that anymore. In 2007, the BAFTA Awards, David Tennant won for Best Actor for his performance in Doomsday. Russell T. Davis won the award for Best Screenplay for the episode Doomsday. Billy Piper was nominated for Best Actress in her performance in Doomsday, but lost to somebody else. Oh. <laughs> they also won for Best Makeup in for The Girl in the Fireplace and Best Editing or Editor for Tooth and Claw. And then at the TV Quick and TV Choice Awards show, they won for Best Loved Drama in a double win, with the award being presented to Russell T. Davis, Julie Gardner, and Phil Collinson. And David Tennant won for Best Actor for his portrayal of The Doctor, while Billy Piper won for Best Actress for portraying Rose Tyler. People really loved uh, Season 2. They gave a lot of awards uh, to it. And then in the 2007 Saturn Awards, the show was nominated for Best Syndicated cable television series and best television dvd released it but it didn't win either which is sad (laughs) 
Yeah, the girl in the fireplace continued to win at the 2007 SFX Awards for uh, best TV show, and that went to Euroslin and Stephen Moffat. Then uh, the Impossible Planet and the Satan Pit were also nominated, and so were Army of Ghosts and Doomsday. And then David Tennant won for the best TV actor, and Billy Piper won for best TV actress in the Saturn Awards of that year as well. Oh, and the the were uh, for the work on the werewolf in Tooth and Claw, they also won for the 2007 VES Awards. So that um, special effects team won. So yeah, they were just raking in all these awards. Yeah, when you win that many awards, you say, hey, let's make two spinoffs. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we have the clout. <laughs> uh, I compiled a list of all our uh, recommendations or lack thereof. We all really like the first part of the season. Um, in, the new, in the new categories, we have the ranking of one to four. Uh, with one being everybody would like it all the way down to four, which only a diehard who completist would like. Um, it's all ones and twos until we get to Rise of the Cybermen. That's when we get our first three, which is just for a fan. And that's uh, Arlene and Kelsey. Um, and we're kind of split on the two-parter of that um, with half of us pretty much saying, you know, it, it completes the story well and the other half not. And then we start to get into some varied <laughs> rankings. We get our first four, which is Die Hard for uh, the Idiot's Lantern, and that's Kelsey. And I'm sure she stands by that. <laughs> but we even have, with Idiot's Lantern, we have someone who says that anybody could see it, and that's Arlene. And you stand by that. I do stand by that. Yeah. <laughs> then and we get uh, Impossible Planet and Satan Pit, and that's ranging from two to fours. Again, we're split on whether we think the two-parter was worth it. I don't know. Every time every time I think about that two-parter, I like it better than when I actually watch it. But it's every mm-hmm. single time. Like right now, I'm thinking, how could I have given it a three? Those are really good episodes. <laughs> and then I watch them and I go, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a three. Yeah, they were definitely impactful. Like they're good episodes to watch just for a casual view. You're not going to watch those. And see, I always feel that I would, and then I do, and go, why did I do that? Yeah, why did I do that? Very strange. I think I'm opposite of you. Every time I think about those episodes, I'm never watching those. I hate parts of it. And then if it's on or watching, this is better than I remember it being. Uh, and then, and then, you know, we, they, we, our most consistent episode is Love and Monsters. That's a three and four, except for Arlene's five. <laughs> there you, go. Uh, you know, I think we all kind of agree that that one uh, is a special episode. Yeah, did not live up to any sort of potential. Uh, and then, um, you know, Fear Her is middling. And then Army of Ghosts and Doomsday ones and twos, which you know anybody can watch or casual fan. And then we all, we all agree that as a two-parter, it holds up. Uh, and that's basically Doomsday being uh, living up to the potential of the first part is our only unanimous in the entire season. Wow. Because yeah. we opened the category up. Yeah. That's... I mean, you know, we, you know, if you want to say one and two is positive reaction, three and four is a little bit more negative. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do agree all the way up. You know, we go from New Earth to Girl in the Fireplace as positives. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't start negatives until we get to Rise of the Cybermen. And then uh, we're all positive on Army of Ghosts and Doomsday. A lot of two-parters this season. Three two-parters? Three. Three. Yeah. Rise right. of the Cybermen, Age of Steel, Impossible Planet, Satan Pit, Army of Ghosts, and Doomsday. Yeah. And I think that kind of... I mean, even with New Earth, a two, sort of two-parter because it connects to season one with Cassandra. But I do think with this format, you know, those standalone episodes in the middle, they are never the best because the, because they just they can't stand like when you have a two parter, even if it's not a good two parter, they put a lot of money and production value into it because they can. And then those standalones that follow after it can't live up. And I think for if I remember correctly, the Army of Ghosts, those of us who put it as a two was only because we wanted people to watch more episodes afterwards. Mm-hmm. And if it was, it was this and, is the only you, shot you they're going to ever have a time to watch Doctor Who. We would say, yes, put it as a new Who viewer because it's good, but yeah. it's going to ruin it if they continue on being a fan of the show. Right. You want them to, if they're going to be a fan of the show, to watch it in the order it was intended. intended. Yeah. Yeah. And then we also, in the middle of the season, we did the, the TV movie and the Time Warrior. And uh, for that one, it was basically, did we like it? And for both of those, the third Doctor's serial of the Time Warrior and the 1996 TV movie, we all liked them. Except there was one person who did not like the TV movie, and that was Frank. You all brought up good points, so it's not as bad as I remember from watching it alone. It's like, oh, there are some, but it's one I really don't want to watch again. No. <laughs> I'll stick to it. And then lastly, we did the Christmas Invasion, but that was the one where we did the scale from 1 to 10. 
which did not work at all. <laughs> um, that was my fault. Oh, I was going to blame me. But well, everything that goes wrong is your fault, Eugene. It's because I didn't have a blue light. Um, <laughs> we were still in a regeneration period. Yeah, we were still getting to, to... Yeah, it was all new. But we all seemed to like it, except um, Arlene was five. So you were very neutral on it, one way or the other. And Josh was a six. So he was actually leaning towards the other side. Yeah. Well, so that's a problem because that whole one through ten scale... Because I remember him saying five was... I'm in the middle. Everybody yeah, but he was wrong. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But we pointed it out then that, that okay. he I wasn't reading it And properly. I changed it to very quickly. No, you changed it to one. <laughs> I thought it was two. Well, no, the, uh, Frank gave it a two. Oh, uh, I remember doing that as a joke. Two. <laughs> two. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, Let's not dwell on that. That was very confusing. And I'm still confused. Yeah. <laughs> so that was season two, our reactions, all in a nutshell. So that's season two, 13 episodes long. David Tennant's first year as the doctor. Yay. Mickey with his shirt off. Yay. Yay. Rose's last year Yay. as the Yay. companion. Aww. <laughs> uh, this is the first time we see uh, Freema, and this is the first time we see uh, Catherine Tate. Yay. Yay. A little tag at the end. Yeah, a little tag oh. at the end. What is this place? (laughs) So thanks for joining us for all of season two and to an extent all of season one and season two. I hope uh, we'll get you guys back for the the rest of this journey. And um, would we recommend season two to... I'm just kidding. (laughs) I can pretty... I I can kind of safely say yes, we would. Keep your comments coming. Yes, they're they're great. um, Twitter, email... So thanks again. Uh, It's been fun, and we'll keep it fun as we keep going through and maybe eventually catch up to current Doctor Who. I don't know if that'll happen, but, you know, maybe. So join us next time when the future becomes the present. You've just listened to an episode of Who Knew? Our wonderful theme music is by Michael Grady. Find him on Facebook at The Universe Explodes. All our episodes are engineered by our very own Auburn. Find me at auburnbinkley.com. You can find this show in several places. Follow us on Twitter at Who Knew Podcasts. Subscribe, review, and listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Or our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Who Knew Podcast. All our episodes are on whonewpodcast.com. You can leave comments there or email us at whonewpodcast at gmail.com. This podcast is inspired by Doctor Who, the longest running sci-fi show in history and especially the revival spearheaded by Russell T. Davis. Thanks to Russell, Sidney Newman, Verity Lambert, Ron Grainer, and all those involved in the adventures of our favorite Time Lord. Your work continues to inspire and entertain. Ice cream? (laughs) (laughs) Did you go back and see ice cream? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no. <laughs> exactly.